Hello, friends. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. I'm your host, Heidi Ganahl, a wife, mama for CU region, and the founder of Camp Bow Wow and the She Factor. With a passion for keeping the spirit of our state alive and well, I started this podcast to bring the people of Colorado together to celebrate the amazing state we call home. Come along on this journey with me as I travel across our old country roads in my vintage RV, interviewing folks that embody the true spirit of the Rocky Mountains. From the Front Range to the Mile High City to the Wild West of Southern Colorado, we'll celebrate the history, beauty, and Coloradans that make this place the colorful state it is. Each week, you'll meet people trailblazing the way for an even more colorful future for us all, making a huge difference along the way. Are you ready for a Rocky Mountain ride? Let's do this, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. I'm so excited to have Crystal Covington here today. I consider her a friend and just an all-around amazing gal who's doing really neat things in Colorado, especially Denver. And I can't wait to hear more about what she's up to and how she's pivoting her business like we all are and surviving COVID. So welcome, Crystal. It's so good to see you. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a little while and so much has happened. So I'm, I, I'm just ecstatic for this conversation. Thanks, Crystal. Well, you run an organization called the Women of Denver, and I spoke with that group a long time ago, far before COVID, and you were growing like crazy. And I'm on the group's uh, Facebook page, and it's just such a vibrant group of women. So take a step back and tell us why you started it and when you started it, how that worked. So I had moved to Denver, Colorado with no community behind me. Uh, My husband and I made the decision for our own future pathways and careers that we needed to be in a city where there were more opportunities. We had read all about Colorado being best places for millennials to have a career, best places for millennials to start a business, all these kinds of things. Um, And we said, okay, well, this sounds like an amazing place. My husband had come out here for a um, business trip and he made friends the first day he was here. He was sending me pictures. I was in Detroit and he was sending me pictures where I'm in this, you know, wool coat and freezing outdoors. And he's outside walking the 16th street mall, just having fun with his new buddies that he had just met that night. So it was one of those things where I kind of looked at it and said, how the heck did random strangers end up being nice to you and want to hang out with you and you had dinner with them? How the heck are you outside in a light jacket in November? And this needs to be investigated. So we moved to Denver, built a life here and started off. And we had been here for about a year when I realized that between work and the the networking that I had tried to do, and I'm a terrible networker, I will say, um, I hadn't made any authentic connections yet. And I needed to create that for myself because I know my survival relies on having community, having people that care about me that I can, you know, connect with and talk about things that are going wrong or Um, you know, have somebody to have coffee with or, you know, those connections matter deeply. And so I needed to create that for myself. And Women of Denver was just a result of me saying, I'll build it for myself. I'll build what I need to see here and do it in the way that is organically more natural for me. 
Wow. Cause I think a lot of women set out to do that. There's lots of great groups popping up all over the country and have been, but you've been really successful at this. So what's your secret sauce to building a community of people that are really authentic, that you enjoy being around and that kind of have the same mindset that you do? I think what happened there is that I put my own personality into it. And because it was not necessarily initiated for a business purpose, and that came later because I realized it was expensive to keep doing this and it was growing and people you know, wanted it in a different capacity. Um, I built that still trying to keep with what made me connect to it in the first place, which was conversations. And I never wanted to separate from having the opportunity to have conversations and always reiterating to people what we're here for. And so I think what mattered the most is that I was, I have been regularly teaching people what I want this to be and what I want them to do for each other. And so, and then I reward it when I see it, I try to validate and encourage it. So for example, I, um, I just won a contest from one of my members. I, I always talk about doing contests and I always talk about doing collaborations and a, a, a couple of them teamed up, which happens a lot. Um, a photographer and a makeup, uh, makeup company, they, they do makeup hair and makeup and they travel for it. They, these two um, teamed up to do a contest that they hosted on social media and I entered and I got to win, which was crazy, but it's just so fun to see people doing things like that. And I am, I'm going to blast the heck out of the fact that I won this and that they did this and, um, you know, like to, you know, show support for when women collaborate and do those kinds of things. And so that's the kind of thing that I like to see and encourage. And when, and when that happens, I want to see more people kind of get that idea from them and. Um, pass it along and, and encourage other women to collaborate, to help each other grow. So besides the obvious um, of the pandemic, what challenges do you recall facing early on and how did you overcome those? Um, the first big challenge of the pandemic was my own mental capacity. I was blown away because I had never seen I had never seen anything like this. I lived through, um, I, I had just graduated college during the first, um, the financial crash. And it was kind of invisible to me. It was something I had been told about. It was one of those things where they said, well, we can't pay you because we're in a financial crash. And I said, okay, well, I, okay, well, that's just, it's, it seemed really in the air, something I didn't really get. Whereas this was the first time that I was watching something really happen right in front of me. It impacted me immediately. I had just had a summit where I had half attendance <laughs> and people were terrified to touch each other. Um, they were sitting separated and, and it was just the most awkward experience um, to see it the day before Colorado received, you know, kind of, I think they called it stay at home orders. It was the day before that happened. And so the next day, everything shut down. And I had, I also do marketing. And I remember telling all of my marketing clients, because I'm, I'm supposed to advise them on what to do. I had clients that had events planned. I had clients that had 
marketing that was in process and PR that was in process. And they're saying, they're calling me saying, what am I supposed to do now? What, what do you suggest I do? Should we just wait a day? Should we, you know, expect everything to be normal? And I remember just, it was terrifying to not have any answers, but I remember feeling so horrible as I just talked to clients and said, I'm going to take a month off of doing anything because I think that we're going to be shut down a while. It does not sound like this is going to be over in a week. And I remember them being upset with me. And um, there was one in particular that we had an event based an event based strategy because I I believe in events so so much and believe in in person connection. And I remember he kept insisting. Um, that I was being ridiculous and that things would, you know, open up. And he said, no, we're going to stick to the schedule. We're not moving by events. And I would say, oh, no. I don't think you're going to have these events. And sure enough, we didn't change the bookings, but the bookings were canceled on us. And so the venues canceled his bookings and said, we're not open. And so it took a while before he actually, um, accepted he's he's in Georgia and they were pretty much acting normally at that time so it took a long time before he accepted that um it was going to change that we had to let go of the strategy and it wasn't going to work and so for me emotionally being having to try and lead during that time both with my members and they're kind of looking for when are we going to be back and when, what is going to happen and watching businesses that um I feel almost responsible because I feel like I have a leadership role for these people and they were looking for answers and I did my best, but there weren't really any answers. And I watched a lot of businesses in that first couple of months shut down because they were investing in their business. They were um, not profitable yet. So they were you know, operating maybe eat at, um, at cost or in a deficit because they were trying to grow. And anybody that was in that sort of place at that time that was dependent on in-person interaction or even a lot of non-in-person businesses did have shutdowns and challenges because of the other impacts and the fact that people were um, kind of sitting back and not doing things. Um, some people were holding on to their money in general. Um, they, I saw a lot of shutdowns and all of that was just, it was so emotionally overwhelming for me. I think I spent a lot of time crying, just holding my son. It was like my, my baby became my, my, my little uh, security blanket as I went through all of that and tried to keep us as, as much of a straight face as possible while watching other people go through it as well. And feeling like I, I wanted to have had more of an impact. That makes a lot of sense, Crystal, and I, I think you that that resonates with a lot of people, I'm sure, especially entrepreneurs that were in the startup phase of their business. And we were at She Factor and doing the same thing, and it was uh, it was pretty scary to figure out what's going to happen. I remember at Camp Bow Wow, we were growing really quickly when the 2008 market crash hit, and all of a sudden we were like, "Are people still going to take their dogs to doggy daycare and boarding? And is this yeah. going to work?" And we had, you know, 30 or 40 franchisees that had already signed on that were in the opening phase. And, um, you know, we had to really shift our mindset to survival mode rather than growth mode. And, um, you know, luckily we got it out. And Chief Actor, we're doing the same thing. We're trying to figure out how do you go from a live events company with chapters to a virtual 
company and connecting people digitally. And it's just a totally different play. It's a lot of fun in a lot of ways because you can reach more people, but it's also sad. Everybody wants to be with each other and build community live. Um, Yeah. You just talked about your little boy a bit. He's so cute. And can you talk about your struggles as a mom during this time and the she session, they call it, which is working moms having a really tough time juggling everything right now? That was, um, (laughs) Um, the first thing that happened after, so I had, um, it it was very traumatic in the beginning. It was, I had this big event that turned into a very, a flop, flop kind of event because I tried to do, um, virtual and it didn't work. I tried to do a hybrid and all these kinds of things. So then coming out of that. And then it was um, the next week that my babysitter was supposed to be back. Um, So then we had this conversation at home of you can't have a babysitter that there's COVID in the air. We can't, we can't be having people in the house. And then I thought, well, how am I supposed to work now? And so I told her I would pay her for a week or two more because she had scheduled days. So I paid her basically for the days that were scheduled. And, um, and I thought that it would be, I kind of kept thinking this would be acceptable again, but I never got my babysitter back. My family um, created this tight pod. And, um, and so I went months without any childcare while still trying to figure everything out. So trying to heavily pivot with a one-year-old. He had just turned one and was still at the beginning phases of walking and very much needing of, you know, connection and all of that. And I had many hours each week of childcare. I was technically an at-home mom. I was in the house, but I had somebody with me. So it was always me with somebody that was there to support and play with him and help me in between. Or if I had a call or something like that, I could do that. So now I was 24-7 mom. Um, which was extremely overwhelming. I didn't get support again for a few months into the pandemic. And so by that time, I was kind of losing it. And my mother-in-law finally kind of said, okay, uh, you need some help. And so she decided to start, she and my husband decided to coordinate this kind of support network where she would come every other week and give me a couple hours um, a day for a little while. So that helped take a lot of pressure off and having her just be around and um, give me some time to be able to have meetings. I had many a meeting where my son was screaming while I tried bouncing him or something to get him to go to be quiet. And my clients were very nice about it. I remember a male client who he needed the job to get done. He said, we need to finish this conversation. I said, but my my son is having a temper tantrum right now. He's he's falling apart. He just wanted to be held or something. I forget what the reasoning was, but he was just on the floor crying. And he says, just pick him up and keep talking to me. And so we finished this meeting with me bouncing him <laughs> through the whole <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so I... I did have quite a bit of time where I, I pulled back a bit on um, doing business because I didn't really know how. So I, I think I, I, had, um, I had quite a bit of financial 
fall back during the 2020 year. And it wasn't until the end of last year and the beginning of this year when I started getting my grasp again and started to recover that. So there was a big um, she session on my end. And then I'm starting to, you know, recover that as I have, you know, I have somebody coming in now um, during the week to help me a little bit more while my mother-in-law still is helping me a little bit as well. And then figured out how to leverage um, lots of other, other tools and things like that. But I think the biggest thing was um, the types of business that I did were all kind of really impacted by the pandemic and then the fact that I couldn't really um, work as effectively as I as I wanted to with a child made it um, made it doubly challenging. Yeah, doubly challenging is right. It's like it's, they talk about going from one child to two child is like, uh, you know, ridiculously overwhelming. It should only be double as hard, but it's about quadruple as hard. I think that's how it felt trying to run a business and you know, handle the kids. My favorite thing was when you would get um, photo bombed by a cat, a dog, a kid, and, and it would lighten up the mood for all the Zoom calls. But I mean, my kids would just come in and like duck around the camera and like pass me notes and, you know, slide, like hold a poster with a question on it. And you're trying to pay attention. And it's like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? But everyone was pretty forgiving, I think, during the <laughs> pandemic. And Hopefully, as we go forward, we'll take those lessons from running our life over Zoom that we can make it easier to work from home, I hope. But, um, okay, so you moved to Colorado and you've set up your new life here. What do you love about Colorado? What do you love to do? What are your family hobbies here based in Colorado? I feel like we've we've done a terrible job of really um, utilizing the things that we love about Colorado. When we first moved here, we um, we did everything. We explored. I spent thousands of dollars at Denver restaurants and going <laughs> out to <laughs> going out and visiting all of the sites and and all of that. Um, we lived in the downtown area, so I would go and I would just um, go for walks and walk downtown and talk to people. Um, I, I, the thing that I loved the most was just the fact that people were so open and communicative and that I could just walk into any space and feel um, that people would be able to connect with me. And I loved that about this, this place. And I loved the fact that there were so many outdoor things to do. So the things that we love are, of course, the outdoor spaces and being able to go to our favorite places and, you know, go to an art fair in the summer and go to, you know, go to, go to other areas and see art fairs and, and galleries and things like that. That's something that we enjoy doing. Um, I still never got fully comfortable with driving the mountain road. So I'm always still so terrified, but when we get to our destination, it's amazing. Um, I live near Westminster, so even when we're just driving to go take my son to the doctor or something, or we're driving to Home Depot, we go to Home, De Home Depot a lot right now, going, going out to the store, we can see the mountains just driving up the highway. And it's like, sometimes it is just so clear. And then I realize, oh my gosh, I don't look up that much. I can technically see it right from my neighborhood, but I don't look at it as much as I feel like I should. But the thing that I love is just being able to get on the street and go to the store and literally have a view of a beautiful mountain range. 
Boy, that's the truth. Uh, we recently moved from the Boulder area down to the South Denver metro area. And the view is just as beautiful. It's just different. Like when you're up in the Boulder area, yes. you look up and it's these steep, big, rugged mountains. But then when you move south, you get these beautiful sunsets and, you know, you can see the whole mountain range. And I, I agree, like sometimes you just forget that it's there. And that's terrible to say, but we're so blessed to live in the state and have the views that we do and be so close to incredible activities that we can do up in the mountains. What's Crystal, what's the most Colorado thing you've ever done? So the thing that I thought of was I got so, I, both me and my husband, we got to Colorado. We said, we're Coloradans now. We're going to do what Coloradans do. And so my sister came to visit the first year that we had been here and it was it's a pretty it's pretty hilarious in my mind but we had no clue what it really meant to drive up to the mountains and there was this park i forget what it's called i think it may be i think it's canyon something like um, something canyon state park and it was just i just looked on the map i said oh there's a there's a state park just 20 minutes from us and so my sister said come on let's go and she's brave. She doesn't even, she doesn't worry one, one bit about anything. And it ended up being that we had to go up these mountain passes and we had this dinky little car. My husband had gotten this little sporty car that it is not a mountain car. It should not have been on the mountains. And, and so we went up there, we realized there was no way to turn around and go back down. So we're going up and we're like, there's no, there's no edge. Oh my gosh. We're freaking out because we had just, we were so overconfident. We didn't know what we were going into. So we just went up there. Um, we finally got up there. It took us 30 minutes. It was the most beautiful thing we'd ever seen. We spent the day and then um, it started to rain and we had to come back down. So then we drove down the mountain, still no, no edge in sight <laughs> in one lane um, in the rain in this tiny little car. So I consider that the most Colorado thing I ever did because we were fearless. We just picked a spot and went. We actually got more fearful after that because we were terrified again of being caught in the rain on a mountain pass. Um, but I feel like Coloradans and when I meet people who have been native here, they're not afraid of mountain passes. They just go, they just pick a spot on the map and say, we're just going to go up to this, to this place and we're going to have a really amazing time. And they just seemed so free. And that moment felt very free and um, unfearful. And I, I just really, it was probably one of the most fun moments I'd ever had um, with my sister and my husband. That's a great story. And I think so many of us that moved here to Colorado, you know, from another state have stories like that where it's no big deal to go do a 14er. It's no big deal to go down on a rapids trip, which I got popped out of the boat and you know, almost drowned. It's like, you, you just have this Ooh. sense of, we can do anything here in Colorado. And uh, you're right. It's this fearless sentiment that I love. That's what I love about our state. And, you know, entrepreneurship is about being fearless too. And so I want to wrap up by seeing if you have any advice specifically for the women entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this, that are trying to figure out how to pivot now back to like real life meetings and all this stuff out of COVID. Oh, so one thing that's important to me, I love having multiple viewpoints, really getting an idea of what some of the, what people in other spaces of wisdom believe. And 
I know that not everybody likes to have other people's opinions, but I really love the wisdom of the group. And so I feel like gathering with others, getting an idea of getting a diverse group of people together and getting their ideas, I think is the most essential strategy to me of um, really being smart about the next moves and understanding what kind of things you should think about that you may not have considered yourself. For me, it's it's a matter of a combination of getting those insights, which I've been gathering lately, and then also um, doing things like making sure I have um, a written strategy and some funding and, and figuring out what I do before I go and launch it and start communicating things. So I like to have my plan together and know what I'm going to do because there's no matter what, there's always going to be bumps in the road. But having a good solid plan helps to make it a little bit easier so you have something to go back to and you can continue to work from that and tweak it um, and be flexible within it. But having something in writing and something that's um, tangible just really helps to, to stabilize all the emotions as things continue to change. That's beautifully said. And I do think we're yearning for structure right now, but not the kind of structure we've had for the last year and a half. More about, you know, how do we get back out there and stretch our legs and experience life again, but be productive and have our goals and get back on track for where we want to go with our business and our lives. And Crystal, it's been so fun talking to you and catching up and hopefully we can grab coffee live soon. And I can hear all about what you're up to next at Women of Denver because you are such a leader in our community and um, you're a happy warrior. You're just always so positive and uplifting to those around you. So we want to celebrate you and um, lift you up in whatever your next endeavors are. So let's stay in touch. And I so appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Heidi. It was great seeing you. And I look forward to seeing everything that you create. Thank you for joining us today on Heidi's Colorful Colorado. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And definitely follow me on Instagram to keep up with my latest adventures. In the meantime, happy trails from me, Heidi Ganahl.